Chapter Forty of Nobody. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Nobody by Susan Warner. Chapter Forty. Attentions. It was ten days before Lois went downstairs. She seemed indeed to be in no hurry. Her room was luxuriously comfortable. Madge tended her there and mrs wishart visited her and lois sat in her great easy chair and rested and devoured the delicate meals that were brought her and the color began gently to come back to her face in the imperceptible fashion in which a white van thal tulip takes on its hues of crimson she began to read a little but she did not care to go downstairs madge told her everything that went on who came and what was said by one and another mr dillwyn's name was of very frequent occurrence he's a real nice man said madge enthusiastically madge 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 you mustn't speak so said lois you must not say real nice i don't downstairs said madge laughing it was only to you it is more expressive lois sometimes to speak wrong than to speak right do not speak so expressively then but i must when i am speaking of mr dillwyn i never saw anybody so nice he is teaching me to play chess lois and it is such fun it seems to me he comes here very often he does he is an old friend of mrs wishart's and she is as glad to see him as i am don't be too glad madge i do not like to hear you speak so why not it was one of the reasons why i did not want to accept mrs barclay's invitation last winter that i knew he would be visiting her constantly i did not expect to see him here much lois looked grave what harm in seeing him lois why shouldn't one have the pleasure for it is a pleasure his talk is so bright and his manner is so very kind and graceful and he is so kind he is going to take me to drive again you go to drive with mrs wishart isn't that enough it isn't a quarter so pleasant madge said laughing again mr dillwyn talks something one likes to hear talked mrs wishart tells me about old families and where they used to live and where they live now what do i care about old new york families and mr dillwyn lets me talk i never have anything whatever to say to mrs wishart she does it all i would rather have you go driving with her though why lois that's ridiculous i like to go with mr dillwyn don't like it too well how can i like it too well so much that you would miss it when you do not have it any longer miss it said madge half angrily i might miss it as i might miss any pleasant thing but i could stand that i'm not a chicken just out of the egg i have missed things before now and it hasn't killed me don't think i am foolish madge it isn't a question of how much you can stand but the men like like this one are so pleasant with their graceful smooth ways that country girls like you and me might easily be drawn on without knowing it further than they want to go he does not want to draw anybody on said madge indignantly that's the very thing you might think or i might think that pleasant manner means something and it don't mean anything i don't want it to mean anything as you say but what has our being country girls to do with it we are not accustomed to that sort of society and so it makes i suppose more impression and what might mean something to others would not to us from such men i mean what do you mean by such men asked madge who was getting rather excited rich fashionable belonging to the great world and having the ways of it you know what mr dillwyn is like it is not what we have in shane Puisha but lois what are you talking about i don't care a red cent for all this but i want to understand you said such a manner would mean nothing to us yes why not to us as well as anybody else because we are nobody's madge 
what do you mean said the other hotly just that it is quite true you are nobody and i am nobody you see if we were somebody it would be different if you think i'll tell you what lois i think you are fit to be the wife of the best man that lives and breathes i think so myself lois returned quietly and i am i think you are madge but that makes no difference my dear we are nobody how impatiently isn't our family as respectable as anybody's haven't we had governors and governors of massachusetts and connecticut both and judges and ministers ever so many among our ancestors and didn't a half dozen of them or more come over in the mayflower yes madge all true and i am as glad of it as you are then you talk nonsense no i don't said lois sighing a little i have seen a little more of the world than you have you know dear madge not very much but a little more than you and i know what i am talking about we are unknown we are not rich we have none of what they call connections so you see i do not want you to like too much a person who beyond civility and kindness perhaps would never think of liking you i don't want him to that's one thing said madge but if all that is true he is meaner than i think him that's what i've got to say and it is a mean state of society where all that can be true i suppose it is human nature said lois it's awfully mean human nature i guess there is not much true nobleness but where the religion of christ comes in if you have got that madge be content and thankful but nobody likes to be unjustly depreciated isn't that pride one must have some pride i can't make religion everything lois i was a woman before i was a christian if you want to be a happy woman you will let religion be everything but lois wouldn't you like to be rich and have pretty things about you don't ask me said lois smiling i am a woman too and dearly fond of pretty things but madge there is something else i love better she added with a sudden sweet gravity and that is the will of my god i would rather have what he chooses to give me really and truly i would rather have that the conversation therewith was at an end in the evening of that same day lois left her seclusion and came downstairs for the first time she was languid enough yet to be obliged to move slowly and her cheeks had not got back their full color and were thinner than they used to be otherwise she looked well and mrs wishart contemplated her with great satisfaction somewhat to lois's vexation they found mr dillwyn downstairs also lois had the invalid's place of honor in a corner of the sofa with a little table drawn up for her separate tea and madge and mr dillwyn made toast for her at the fire the fire gave its warm light the lamps glittered with a more brilliant illumination ruddy hues of tapestry and white gleams from silver and glass filled the room with lights and shadows everywhere that contented the eye of the imagination too with suggestions of luxury and plenty and sheltered comfort lois felt the shelter and the comfort and the pleasure with that enhanced intensity which belongs to one's sensations in a state of convalescence and in her case was heightened by previous experiences nestled among cushions in her corner she watched everything and took the effect of every detail tasted every flavor of the situation but all with a thoughtful wordless gravity she hardly spoke at all after tea mr dillwyn and madge sat down to the chessboard and then lois's attention fastened upon them madge had drawn the little table that held the chessmen into very close proximity to the sofa so that she was just at lois's hand but then her whole mind was bent upon the game and lois could study her as she pleased she did study madge she admired her sister's great beauty the glossy black hair the delicate skin the excellent features the pretty figure madge was very handsome there was no doubt mr dillwyn would not have far to look lois thought to find one handsomer than herself was there was a frank fine expression of face too and manners thoroughly good 
they lacked some of the quietness of long usage lois thought a quick look or movement now and then or her eager eyes or an abrupt tone of voice did in some measure betray the country girl to whom everything was novel and interesting and distinguished her from the half blase wholly indifferent air of other people she will learn that quietness soon enough thought lois and then nothing could be left to desire in madge the quietness had always been a characteristic of lois herself partly difference of temperament partly the sweeter poise of lois's mind had made this difference between the sisters and now of course lois had had more experience of people and the world but it was not in her the result of experience this fair unshaken balance of mind and manner which was always a charm in her however this by the way the girl herself was drawing no comparisons except so far as to judge her sister handsomer than herself from madge her eye strayed to mr dillwyn and studied him she was lying back a little in shadow and could do it safely he was teaching madge the game and lois could not but acknowledge and admire in him the finished manner she missed in her sister yes she could not help admiring it the gentle graceful easy way in which he directed her gave reproofs and suggestions about the game and at the same time kept up a running conversation with mrs wishart letting not one thing interfere with another nor failing for a moment to attend to both ladies there was a quiet perfection about the whole home picture it remained in lois's memory for ever mrs wishart sat on an opposite sofa knitting not a long blue stocking like her dear grandmother but a web of wonderful hues thick and soft and various as the feathers on a peacock's neck it harmonized with all the rest of the room where warmth and color and a certain fullness of detail gave the impression of long-established easy living the contrast was very strong with lois's own life surroundings she compared and contrasted and was not quite sure how much of this sort of thing might be good for her however for the present here she was and she enjoyed it then she queried if mr dillwyn were enjoying it she noticed the hand which he had run through the locks of his hair resting his head on the hand it was well formed well kept and that nothing remarkable but there was a certain character of energy in the fingers which did not look like the hand of a lazy man how could he spend his life so in doing nothing she did not fancy that he cared much about the game or much about the talk what was he there for so often did he possibly care about madge lois's thoughts came back to the conversation mrs wishart what is to be done with the poor of our city mr dillwyn was saying i don't know i wish something could be done with them to keep them from coming to the house my cook turns away a dozen a day some days those are not the poor i mean they are poor enough they are to a large extent pretenders i mean the masses of solid poverty which fill certain parts of the city and not small parts either it is no pretense there i thought there were societies enough to look after them i know i pay my share to keep up the societies what are they doing something i suppose as if a man should carry a watering pot to vesuvius what in the world has turned your attention that way i pay my subscriptions and then i discharge the matter from my mind it is the business of the societies what has set you to thinking about it something i have seen and something i have heard what have you heard are you studying political economy i did not know you studied anything but art criticism what do you do with your poor at shampuasha miss madge we do not have any poor that is hardly any there is nobody in the poorhouse a few perhaps half a dozen people cannot quite support themselves check to your queen mr dillwyn what do you do with them oh take care of them it's very simple they understand that whenever they are in absolute need of it they can go to the store and get what they want at whose expense oh there is a fund there for them some of the better off people take care of that i should think that would be quite too simple said mrs wishart and extremely liable to abuse it is never abused though 
some of the poor those poor ones will come as near as possible to starving before they will apply for anything mrs wishart remarked that shampuasha was altogether unlike all the other places she had ever heard of things at shampuasha are as they ought to be mr dillwyn said now mr dillwyn cried madge i will forgive you for taking my queen if you will answer a question for me what is art criticism why madge you know said lois from her sofa corner i do not admire ignorance so much as pretend to it madge rejoined what is art criticism mr dillwyn what is art that is what i do not know said madge laughing i understand criticism it is the art that bothers me i only know that it is something as far from nature as possible oh madge madge said lois again and mr dillwyn laughed a little on the contrary miss madge your learning must be unlearnt art is really so near to nature check that it consists in giving again the facts and effects of nature in human language human language that is letters and words those are the symbols of one language what other is there music painting architecture i am afraid miss madge that is checkmate you said you had seen and heard something mr dillwyn mrs wishart now began do tell us what i have neither seen nor heard anything in an age mr dillwyn was setting the chessmen again what i saw he said was a silk necktie or scarf such as we wear what i heard was the price paid for making it was there anything remarkable about the scarf nothing whatever except for the aforesaid price what was the price paid for making it two cents who told you a friend of mine who took me in on purpose that i might see and hear what i have reported two cents did you say but that's no price so i thought how many could a woman make in a day madge of those silk scarfs i don't know i suppose a dozen a dozen i was told is a fair day's work mr dillwyn said they do more but it is by working on into the night good patience twenty-five cents for a hard day's work said mrs wishart a dollar and a half a week where is bread to come from to keep them alive to do it better die at once i should say echoed madge many a one would be glad of that alternative i doubt not mr dillwyn went on but there is perhaps an old mother to be taken care of or a child or two to feed and bring up don't talk about it said mrs wishart it makes me feel blue i must risk that i want you to think about it where is the help to come from these are the people i was thinking of when i asked you what was to be done with our poor i don't know why you ask me i can do nothing it is not my business will it do to assume that as quite certain why yes what can i do with a set of master tailors you can cry down the cheap shops and say why are the dear shops any better mr dillwyn laughed presumably but talking even your talking will not do all i want you to think about it i don't want to think about it answered the lady it's beyond me poverty is people's own fault industrious and honest people can always get along if sickness does not set in or some father or husband or son does not take to bad ways how can i help all that asked the lady somewhat pettishly i never knew you were in the benevolent and reformatory line before mr dillwyn what has put all this in your head those scarfs for one thing another was a visit i had lately occasion to make it was near midday i found a room as bare as a room could be of all that we call comfort in the floor a small pine table set with three plates bread cold herrings and cheese that was the dinner for a little boy whom i found setting the table and his father and mother the parents work in a factory hard by from early to late they have had the sickness in the family this autumn and are too poor to afford a fire to eat their dinner by or to make it warm so the other child a little girl has been sent away for the winter 
it was frostily cold the day i was there the boy goes to school in the afternoon and comes home in time to light up a fire for his father and mother to warm themselves by at evening and the mother has all her housework to do after she comes home that's better than the other case said mrs wishart but what could be done mr dillwyn said lois from her corner it seems as if something was wrong but how could it be mended i want mrs wishart to consider of that i can't consider it said the lady i suppose it is intended that there should be poor people always to give us something to do then let us do it how i am not certain but i make a suggestion suppose all the ladies of the city devoted their diamonds to this purpose then any number of dwelling-houses could be put up separate but so arranged as to be warmed by the steam from a general centre at a merely nominal cost for each one well ventilated and comfortable so putting an end to the enormity of tenement houses then a commission might be established to look after the rights of the poor to see they got proper wages were not cheated and that all should have work who wanted it so much might be done with no end of money i propose to take the diamonds of the city you know and why just the diamonds inquired mrs wishart why don't you speak of some of the indulgences of the men take the horses or the wines i am speaking to a lady said dillwyn smiling when i have a man to apply to i will make my application accordingly ask him for his tobacco said mrs wishart certainly for his tobacco there is as much money spent in this city for tobacco as there is for bread madge exclaimed in an incredulous astonishment and lois asked if the diamonds of the city would amount to very much yes miss lois american ladies are very fond of diamonds and it is a common thing for one of them to have from ten thousand to twenty thousand or thirty thousand dollars worth of them as part of the adornment of her pretty person at one time twenty thousand dollars worth of diamonds on at once cried madge i call that wicked why asked mr dillwyn smiling there's no wickedness in it said mrs wishart how should it be wicked you put on a flower and another who can afford it puts on a diamond what's the difference my flower does not cost anybody anything said madge what do my diamonds cost anybody returned mrs wishart madge was silent though not because she had nothing to say and at this precise moment the door opened and visitors were ushered in End of chapter forty